Hey there, and welcome to the Alenia Church Podcast, your place to catch all of Alenia Church's previous messages. Messages designed to equip you on your journey with Christ. Well, last week we learned that the life we expected and the Christian life can many times not match up, leaving us disillusioned. And at the end of the message, we were challenged to serve someone this week. Well, this week, instead of looking at our expectations, we are going to look at where we apply our energies. See, many times in life, we can feel like we are pushing so hard to achieve a certain outcome. Maybe our marriage is struggling, our kids are not turning out like we had hoped, or that we aren't making headway at work. And after all of that struggle, we are left asking, am I even doing this right? Well, tune in today to hear what Jesus told his disciples was the key to living out this Christian life. Enjoy. Good morning to everybody. Good morning. All right. So uh, real quick before we get started, I wanted to talk to you about a few important things that are coming up in the life of the church. Um, And this whole side is going to serve now because you can see the TV. Uh, But we have our season of serving that's coming up. Uh, This is something that we do every year. And instead of making it on one day and kind of uh, um, constricting it a little bit and uh, not giving you very many options, what we're going to do is we're going to open it up for a couple of weeks. And so we have six opportunities for you to serve. Um, We have July 30th. 30th, We're going to be serving at Greenhouse Ministries. Uh, July 30th, we're also going to be at Portico, uh, uh, stuffing bags for them. Uh, August 4th, we're going to be at Feed America First. So these two are going to be on Saturdays. August 4th is a Thursday. And then August 6th and the 13th, both Saturdays, we're going to be doing water bottle handouts um, at uh, an intersection to be determined. So after service, we're going to have um, uh, Laura's going to be at the Next Steps uh, tent, and you can sign up there. And where is Jessica? Can I borrow you? Can you, can you come? Can you come? Everybody give uh, Jessica, everybody give Jessica a hand. She's she's agreed to to model for me uh, this morning. Uh, You don't have to come up on stage if you want to come down, if you want to just come down here. We have the spotlight in the back. No, sorry. Uh, So everybody that serves gets one of these shirts uh, so everybody can know uh, where we're from. And uh, so make sure that you sign up. And when you sign up, it's going to ask you for your T-shirt size. So we have everything from extra small to triple, triple X. Uh, so make sure you want to get one of those. Hey, and you've been customizing this too, haven't you? So a little custom. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Um, so we have plenty of shirts for everybody. And if we run out of shirts, I'll, I'll order more. So I hope, I hope I run out of shirts. But we have plenty of opportunities for you to serve. And uh, depending on how signups go, we may even open up some more serving opportunities. Also, coming up, uh, August 14th is going to be our anniversary celebration. Um, so this is, uh, this is one of those Sundays that you're going to want to bring everybody with you. In fact, uh, the month of August, we're going to be uh, doing a sermon series called I Have Decided. And it is going to be all gospel-focused. Uh, if you know someone who doesn't know Jesus or is kicking the tires of church and doesn't understand what it means to, to be a Christ follower, that is the month that you're going to want to get them there. So make sure you have them here for August 14th. They're, they're, they're going to have people are building stuff for outside. Uh, we have vendors that are going to be outside. It's going to be a big birthday bash. 
Group Connect is August 21st and 28th. We're a church that does not do small groups. We are a church of small groups. It is so important that you get into a small group community. Uh, so that's going to be our opportunity to sign up for small groups. Uh, we have a couple of new small groups that are coming online, so I'm really excited about that. And I challenged everybody, and I know everybody listened to their pastor last week. I'm so proud of you. You all prayed and asked God if you're supposed to lead a small group, didn't you? So I know everybody did that, and I'm sure everybody's going to come tell me yes or no afterwards. Um, and it's like RSVP. You ever send the RSVP out, and no one RSVPs ever, do they? Right? It's like you have no idea how much chicken you're supposed to order. But anyway, I digress. Um, that August 28th, that Sunday night, is leader and small group leader training. So if that is something that you believe that God's calling you to do, is to lead a small group, uh, we are going to have a training night for you on Sunday night, and we're going to talk to you about what does it mean to be a small group leader here at Alenia. In fact, what does it mean to be a leader at Alenia? And we're going to talk a lot about uh, shepherding, uh, because that's very hot on my heart. All right, so we are in a series called Hot Take, and uh, I didn't know what to call the series. It was just whatever was hot on my heart at the time, and uh, I didn't know what it was going to be, so now we know what it is, so to probably name the series something else. Uh, but we are in the Gospel of John. Uh, we started in chapter 13, and we're running through chapter 17. And what we talked about last week is that I believe the church sometimes can set the expectations for you of what the Christian life is supposed to look like and do it in such a way that you walk away thinking that there's either something wrong with you or there's something wrong with the gospel. Because sometimes that we can set the expectations that the Christian life is just all hunky-dory. It's easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy. Um, you don't have to worry about anything. It's all nice and roses and rainbows. And what happens is when our expectations get out of whack and our reality doesn't meet those expectations, we can live life in such a way that we feel at a loss. We feel like we're defeated. We feel like that we're not doing this right. In fact, we looked at a great theologian who is actually a, a car geek on NPR, but he says this, so I thought it was really good. Happiness equals expectations minus reality. I mean, think about that in your life. When you, when you uh, got into a relationship, if your expectations were off from the reality that you experienced, how did this other end of the equation turn out? You were either very joyful or you were not so joyful. Or the expectations of the hotel room that you uh, saved up for and you paid for and you walk in and you're like, uh, and you pull back the sheets and then you put the sheets back down and then you check yourself out. Not that I've ever done that. Um, but that is, uh, that, that's something that we have to wrap our heads around is what is the expectations for the Christian life? And so last week, what we talked about and what we led with was this really great expectation that Jesus gave us that should really all encourage us. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. All right. Thanks, Jesus. That's really setting the bar high. That this Christian life is actually hard. That the Christian life is a life of suffering. That the Christian life is a as a life where you're going to experience troubles. But what is Jesus' promise at the end of that? Be courageous. 
Why? I have conquered the world. I have conquered the world. And we looked at four things uh, from the beginning of this passage is that the Christian life is a life of service. It is a life of love. It is a life of second chances. It is a life of promise. Why do we say it's a life of service? Because what does he do at the very beginning of this uh, chapter 13 when he's in the upper room and he's kind of preaching his little go-away sermon to the disciples? He gets on, on his knees and grabs a towel and he washes their feet. And he says, hey, I've set a model for you. In fact, you're no better than your master. And if your master can do this, I want you to do this for each other. And then he says, a new command I give you to love one another. Why? Because the world is going to know that you're my disciples, not from your church attendance, not from your great giving, not from your group's attendance, not from signing up for serve season, but that you love one another. And how we've tended to lose that in the church where the love for each other has kind of waned in the church and the world's kind of looking and is like, this doesn't seem any different than what I'm doing. And then... It's a life of second chances because Peter's like, I'm going to die for you, Jesus. And he's like, are you kidding me? Like, the rooster's going to crow, but before that, you're going to deny me three times. But we know the story of Peter, that Jesus came alongside him and he restored him. He restored him. And it is a life of promise. Why did we say this? Because Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I'm going to prepare a place for you, I am coming back. And the promise for all of us is one day Jesus is coming back for his church. Can I get an amen? So we should be excited about that. So today, instead of talking about um, instead of talking about misplaced expectations, I want to talk to about misapplied, misapplied efforts. We'll talk about misapplied efforts. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in life, I've, maybe I'm the only one who's done this, where you walked into a store and you were pushing as hard as you can on the door and the little sign on there tells you that you're supposed to pull instead. <laughs> Yeah, yeah the, you, don't, you don't feel like a complete moron when that happens. That you tend to apply the wrong kind of pressure to get the result that you need to get. Um, in fact, I had this happen to me one time when I was putting together the kid's bike at Christmas because every dad's got to put together a kid's bike at Christmas. And you spend Christmas Eve in the garage saying some words maybe you shouldn't mean to say and you're really frustrated because you didn't realize that the pedals are reverse threaded. And so you keep spinning that thing righty tighty because you know and you have been taught like a good person that anything that you turn left is Lucy. Righty tighty, lefty Lucy, but it's a reverse thread pedal, which means you want to tighten it. You got you to gotta turn it to the left. And I've found myself in situations so many times when I am applying the wrong kind of pressure to a situation. And not only just, you know, in life and funny examples like that, but I can do that in just the life that I live. Where you feel like that you're pressing so hard and you're not seeing the results that you think that you should see. That you feel like that you're striving so hard 
and you're not seeing the results. Like you, you, you're working on your marriage so hard and you're not seeing the results that you thought you'd. You're, 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 you're working on your kids so hard and you're not seeing the results in your kid that you thought you would see. Or you're, you're, you're striving so hard at work, you're, you're, you're working yourself to the bone, you're sacrificing your time, and instead you find yourself exhausted and despondent and discouraged. And I think the same feeling that I would feel when I'm working on a piece of machinery or if I'm working on something at home and I can't get it to do what I want it to do is the same kind of emotions and the same kind of feeling that I have in life when I'm working on something and I feel like, man, I should be farther along by now. Man, am I even making a difference? Am I even doing this right? I don't know if that's you, but I, I find that in my life sometimes when I'm, I have these moments of, of questioning of like, am, am I doing this right? Am I, am I dadding the way that I'm supposed to? Am I being a husband the way that I'm supposed to? Am I being a pastor the way that I'm supposed to? And you can have those questions in your life because what we're really talking about is we're talking about ineffectiveness, right? I think the ineffectiveness of turning something right when it needs to go left and not getting the results you have wanted all the time, like the, the things in life where you feel like you're ineffective, you start questioning your efforts. Are we even making a difference? Do I even matter? And the world tells us to, to chase this trend or to go after that new fad and we can push and we can push and instead of seeing results, we find ourselves just frustrated. And I believe that Jesus in the upper room with his disciples took a few moments to really talk about this, talk about this concept, talk about this concept of misapplied efforts, misapplied energy, misapplied direction. And it's this passage where he, he equates himself with the vine. There's two big allegories that Jesus used to describe himself. One was a shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. In fact, if you look through the Gospel of John, there's a lot of I am statements that Jesus said. He said, I am the good shepherd. But another thing that he says is, I am the vine. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Let me stop right here. It's not in my notes. Pruning is not an act of cutting off something that's no longer going to produce. Amen. Pruning is making something that produces even better. Amen. So when God is pruning some things in your life, God is actually at paying attention to things in your life that are producing fruit. And he prunes it away so that you can produce more fruit. Pruning is not a bad thing, though pruning can be painful. Yeah. 
Pruning is not of the enemy. Sometimes that we can have these prayers like, devil, get behind me. And Jesus is like, what are you talking about? This is me. I'm the one that's pruning. Right? All right. So you are already clean because of the world, because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Uh, if you read the King Jimmy, you, you, you see that he uses the word abide. Abide in me. Abide, abide, abide. The, the CS, CSB says, remain in me. Remain in me and I, and, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. I love that because I feel like he's like, hey, let's get something straight. You're not the vine. I'm the vine. You're the branches. I'm the vine. You're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, am I, are we getting, getting the hint here? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. But watch this. Watch what this means. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, uh, man, what a, what a weighty, weighty passage. And God, I pray that you would just uh, anoint me as I bring this word. And God, I pray that you would prune this message. Anything that is not of you, I pray, God, that you would not permit me to say it. And God, I pray that anything you want me to say will be such a fire in my belly that I can't help but say it. And God, I pray that this word would be transformative as your word is always transformative. In your name we pray. Amen. So the point Jesus is trying to make here is not the production of the fruit. All right? Let me, I, I, I need you to understand this. The thing Jesus is not trying to get across to his disciples is the production of the fruit. In other words, if you're applying force in the wrong way, you won't produce fruit. And what Jesus is saying and what we need to understand is you can try all you want to produce fruit, but that effort is misapplied. Like if you were to sit there and go and try to produce a grape, just... I mean, you, you might pop something out, but it ain't going to be a grape. Like producing fruit is something that takes time. Producing fruit is something that takes tending. Producing fruit is something that takes patience. And the Christian life is not about striving. It's about remaining. Let me say that again. The Christian life is not about striving. It's about remaining. And there's three things I want you to get from the idea of remaining in Jesus. And the first thing is this. Remaining in Jesus is the only path to fruit. It is the only path to fruit. 
Look what he says. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do what? Say that with me. Nothing. nothing. You can do nothing without me. Now, let me, let me kind of clarify this. Nothing doesn't mean a little bit of something. Nothing means nothing. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. But, man, we try, don't we? We strive and we strive and we try and, and we think that we have it and, and, and we think we have it all together and we think we have all the right answers and we think we have all the right systems and, 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 and we've, you know, our, our, our parents taught us right or, or, or we had this training or, or whatever the case may be. And then you get into it and you get into your own efforts and you find yourself exhausted and depleted and despondent and you can't figure out what's wrong. It's because apart from Christ, you cannot do it. You can do nothing. In fact, the, the Christian life is, is exclusionary because what Jesus says, he says, Jesus told them, I am the way. I'm not a way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. What does he say? No one comes to the Father except through me. It's all for him, by him, through him. It is all about Jesus. He is not a sidebar. He is the main thing. He is the center of our focus. He should be the center of our efforts. He should be the center of our lives. He's not a priority. He is it. He is the priority. He is the center. He is the focus. Why? Because apart from him, all of this other stuff is hogwash. That's my, another one of my Jeremyisms. If anybody's taking count, I don't know how many of that is. But it's a concept that is, rings so true in his teaching because what does he say? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all this other stuff's going to get added to you. But if you want to focus on the other stuff, go ahead. But your life is going to be consumed with worry. It's going to be consumed with doubt. It's going to be consumed with whatever the world wants to put into your head. But seek first the kingdom of God. All this other stuff will be added to. Why? Because I already know what you want before you ask for it. Right? Second thing, remaining in Jesus is simple obedience. Because one of the things I really struggled with, because let's back up. So let me tell you a little hint about preachers. Um, we get to studying and we get into God's word. And this is what goes through our head. This is not as simple as I thought it was. Because if you remember last week, I told you that my wife told me that my messages needed to be shorter. Why? Because she's working back in the kids. And she said, past a certain time, the kids start mutinying and rebelling and they tie us up. And it's, we gotta, it's got to be quicker. So I took the message and I chopped it in half. Right? So last week you got part one. This week you were supposed to get part two. And so I started looking in part two. It's like, okay, what's this Christian life supposed to be about? It's supposed to be about love. It's supposed to be about serving. It's supposed to be about second chances. And I was like, okay, it's supposed to be about the Holy Spirit. And it's supposed to be. And then I was like, this, this, no. It, yes, but 
if you focus on those things, I think that you're going to miss the bigger picture. Because those aren't the priority. Those are the byproduct of the priority. Does that make sense? You can strive for those things, but they will be just a shadow of the product that will come from your life by focusing and abiding and remaining in the person of Christ. That's what we've got to understand. It's actually, when you, when you get into chapter 13 to chapter 17, John does this all the time. He uses this kind of literary arrangement to make a point. 13 and 17 kind of mirror each other. 14 and 16 kind of mirror each other. And then right in the middle, you've got the bullseye. And what's the bullseye? Thank you. Chapter 15. You're on it today. I just want you to know that. You're on it. With the drum, the drum fill and everything, you're on it. Chapter 15. What is chapter 15? I'm the vine. I'm the vine. Just remain in me. I'm the vine. I know you're trying to figure it out. Just remain in me. Just, just please, will you just stick with me? Remain in me. Remaining in Jesus, and so I started digging some more. I was like, well, what does it mean to remain in Jesus? Does it mean just getting up every morning and having my quiet time and reading the Word? Yes. Does it mean just praying? Yes. But it actually is a, a little bit simpler than that. Remaining in Jesus means simple obedience. This is what he says. He says, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. Now watch. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I remain in his love. Yes. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. If, then. If you keep my commandments then you will remain in my love. You want to remain in, you want to abide in Christ, you want to remain in Christ, obey his commandments. In chapter 14 and 15, seven times Jesus tells them that the true believer is the one who does what Jesus commands or does the works that he does or keeps his commands or if you keep my commands, that means that you not only believe in me, but that you love me. Over and over. Read it. 14 and 15. Over and over and over. Do what I ask. Do what my commands are. Do what I do. If you would do that, you will remain in me. What are some of the commands that he has? I'm going to tell you. I would have a really difficult conversation with my wife if I was to go over every command that Jesus gives you. So please open up your word. Please read. Please start in Matthew. Read Matthew. Start in John. John's a great, like if, if someone comes to Christ for the first time and, they, and they're like, I'm going to begin following Jesus. I'm leaving my old, old life behind. I'm repenting. I'm turning towards him. Where do I start? I say, start in John. Start in John. Just read everything that Jesus says to do. Here's some things he says to do. Love one another. 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. 
Three times he says, love one another, just in that passage. Um, Live by the Spirit. He talks about the Holy Spirit five times in that passage. Talks about the comforter. He talks about the counselor. He talks about the Holy Spirit is going to empower you. He's going to give you the words to say. He's going to give you the courage to live this Christian life. Live by the Spirit. He, he says, I want you to take courage in the face of adversity. He says, don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. I'm telling you these things because I want you to have joy, not to have fear. Four times. Four times he tells them, if you will pray in my name, I will answer. Why does he say it that way? Because he says, if you will pray in my name, then I know that you're praying prayers that glorify the Father. Not prayers that glorify yourself. Not prayers that glorify your little thing. Not prayers that glorify your kingdom. Not prayers that even glorify our church. Prayers that glorify the Father. Those are the prayers that I want us to pray as a church. That prayers that aren't about us. Prayers that aren't shining the light on us. Prayers that are shining the light on the Father. Those are the prayers that Jesus says, every time I will answer those. Every time I will answer those. So you have to remain in Jesus if you want to do this fruit thing. And remaining in Jesus looks like simple obedience. But this is what I love. Simple obedience produces big fruit. Big fruit. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce what? Much fruit. Not a little bit of fruit. Not, not the kind of fruit where people are like, I, I think they're a Christ follower. Not the kind of fruit where you're like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. He says, much fruit. And you're going to prove to be my disciples. If you just obey what I command. Just do the small things because they will produce much fruit. So to sum it up, this is what this passage is saying. If you abide in the vine by obeying the words of Christ, this will in turn produce fruit in your life. What, is, what, is, what, what kind of fruit am I talking about? Am I talking about numbers? Yeah, I mean, Jesus wants to add to his kingdom. I, yeah, I'm talking about that, but what, what else am I talking about? Am I, am I talking about a legacy, a life legacy, where people can look to you and say, hey, because so-and-so was my grandpa, because so-and-so was my grandma, I know who Jesus truly is in my life. What kind of fruit, a fruit like sent those two boys to sent those two boys to camp. And my prayer for them is that God just wrecks their world. Yeah. At 13 and 15, wrecks their world. That's the kind of fruit I want to see in my life. And listen, here's the thing about fruit. You go outside and you plant a tomato seed. And you plant it like in April, and you water it, and you go outside and you look at it. And you come back inside and you're like, man, I suck at this gardening thing. It's no fruit. But you don't give up, and you go back out there, and you water it the next day, 
and you look at it, and you come in and you tell your spouse, like, I was not, God did not call me to be a gardener. This fruit thing, man, this, is, this, this fruit thing's tough. And then you go out there the next day and you water it, and you look at it, And then for maybe a week or two, you just kind of like, I'm just, I'm just, you're just going through the motions. Walk back inside. Just walk back inside. And then you go out and you start, you're like, oh, it's a little bit of green. There's a little, there's a little bit, there's a little bit of green. It looks a little bit different. It didn't look like it did two weeks ago. But then if you're not careful, you'll walk back inside after seeing the green and go, suck at this gardening thing. Don't see any fruit. And God's like, no, you see some green. And if you'll keep at it, the fruit will produce itself. Do not bless you. Dude, this, this thing about the church our size, I hear and see everything. That's why Galatians says this, and it, it makes so much sense when you look at it through the lens of a gardener. Because who's the gardener? He said at the beginning, he said, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. Who's responsible for producing the fruit? The gardener is. What's your responsibility? Just stick in the vine, y'all. Just stay in the vine. And then Galatians says this, do not grow weary in doing good. weary in doing good because in due season the fruit will take care of itself simple obedience to the commands of Jesus will produce fruit in your life I'm not saying it's going to produce fruit tomorrow. I'm not saying it's going to produce fruit next week. But if you do not grow weary, I promise you it will produce fruit. And that's what I want for all of you is that you produce fruit. What would it look like if we were a church that walked out these doors and we loved our enemy? Not just loved our enemy, we prayed for them. What would it look like if we were a church that did that, that did that what Jesus commanded us, that we would love our enemy? You mean the 
But what, what, if, what, what, if they don't, what if they don't vote like I do? What, what, if they don't, what if they don't live on my side of town? What if, they, what if they hurt? Love your enemy. Do unto others as, as you would have them do unto you. What would it look like if we were a church that served our community? What would it look like if we were a church that was concerned about our neighbors? What would it look like if we were a church that loved each other? What would it look like if we were a church that was so infectious with the love of Jesus? What if we were a church that walked out these doors with so full of love and so full of joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, what would it look like if we were a church that lived like that? I think it would look like a church that produced much fruit. Would you pray with me? God, we love you and we thank you for your word. And I'm challenged myself, I'm challenged by it. What an example that you gave us. God, I pray for everyone who's hearing my voice. If they do not yet know you, if they do not yet follow you, that they would be convicted in this moment. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, if you have never began following Jesus, if you've never had a personal relationship with Christ, and you would like to do that today, would you slip up your hand so I can pray for you? And we do this for the sake of those who are praying it for the first time. We ask everybody to just repeat these words out loud. And this is just a prayer of salvation where you can give your heart to God and turn from your ways. And just repeat after me, Dear Jesus, I love you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Come and make me a new creation. I turn from my ways and turn to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for tuning in today. If you would like more information about Alenia Church, you can go to aleniachurch.org forward slash connect. There you can enter in your information. You can ask about more information about the church, and you can even let us know if you've prayed to receive Christ. We would love to put a free gift in your hand to equip you on this new journey. If you would like to partner with this ministry, you can do so by going to aleniachurch.org forward slash give. There you can make an easy tax-deductible gift to further the reach of the gospel through Alenia Church. Would you also pray about becoming a monthly partner through your financial giving? Our site makes it easy to set up a recurring schedule. Our prayer is that we are able to begin video recording these messages in the 2022 year, and your giving will help make that possible. Please take a moment to share this message, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you get your regular diet of podcasts. It helps us by getting the word out about what God is doing here in Middle Tennessee. If you live in the Middle Tennessee area and you don't yet have a church home, we would love to host you at Alenia Church, meeting at Oakland Middle School, 453 Desjarnet Drive, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We hope to see you there. Remember, God sees you, He loves you, 
and He wants the best for you. God bless.